Welcome to episode 13 of the Little Aussie Podcast, where, you know, I, I'm not even going to lie. During this podcast, I'm, 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 I'm likely to get a little bit heated. And those of you that have listened to the podcast before will probably, probably already have a good understanding of why. I'll have to, you know, y'all have to wait for me to get a little bit heated, but, but those of you that have listened before probably know where I'm going whenever I say this, but the Little Lossy Podcast is presented by the OK Listen Here Media Company. Go check out the OK Listen Here Media Company at oklistenhere.com. Go check out the Little Aussie Podcast page on the website and, and go check out the Little Aussie Podcast on Instagram at the Little Aussie Podcast. It's just as simple as that. So just kind of started and kicked off Instagram um, for a few of the pages on OK Listen here. And of course, the Little Aussie Podcast is one that I really want to hone in on. So, <sighs> good Lord. Okay. Uh, let's just let's just dive right into it. So finally, the Carolina Panthers have finally let go of Matt Rule. That it has been the most atrocious time for the Carolina Panthers under under Matt Rule's freaking reign of of whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's terror for for the fans, but not in the NFL. So Matt Rule is finally fired after their loss to the San Francisco 49ers this past weekend. I know a lot of Panthers fans, if not all Panthers fans, are very, very, very happy about this. Matt Rule finished in Carolina after winning just 28.9% of the games that he coached, making him the worst coach in franchise history, unless you count Perry Fee, Fee I think it's Feewell, who finished the 2019-2020 season 0-4 after taking over um, once the Panthers let Ron Rivera go so that you know that was also another thing you know four games just let him finish that the season man like come on like I, I'm sure there's more to it than that but like come on four more games left in the season just let Ron Rivera finish it out but um so now already uh, it's Wednesday night and there's already a lot of talk about who the Panthers next head coach is going to be so for right now we're stuck with Steve Wilkes who He's going to be the interim head coach for the rest of the season. So there's a few reasons that I like Wilkes, and it's not necessarily his – it's not really his resume or, you know, his his past as a coach or where we got him from. But um, I like him because he is a Charlotte native. He's a Charlotte native and graduated from West Charlotte High School. So I think that's just a cool little little, little fact about Coach Wilkes. Um he started his professional football career or his professional football coaching career as a secondary coach for the then Washington Redskins. And after spending just a year in Washington between 2006 and 2011, he bounced around from Chicago to San Diego before landing in Carolina in 2012 as a defensive backs coach. In 2015, Wilkes, um, you know, the year that the Panthers went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, everyone remembers that. Everyone remembers the Panthers going to the Super Bowl. It's kind of hard to forget a team going 15-1 and one in Carolina. It's like the biggest thing that ever happened in that city as far as professional sports goes. At, yeah, I would almost go to say in, in Charlotte, it's the biggest thing that's happened in that city like ever as far as any sports goes. Um, But 
In 2015, he was promoted as the assistant head coach and stayed in Carolina before getting his first shot at being the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals in 2018. Unfortunately, his tenure with the Arizona Cardinals would only last one year after winning just three games and after the attempt in Arizona, he would find himself with the Cleveland Browns for a season until finally going down to the college level and becoming the defensive coordinator at Mizzou. So, this season is his first season back with the pros, and this is kind of where it gets a little bit crazy. So, he was at Mizzou last season, and this season is his first season back with the pros, and he was hired on to be a defensive passing game coordinator and a secondary head coach. That is until Tepper finally decided to clear house of Matt Rule, defensive coordinator Phil Snow, and special teams assistant Ed Foley. And so... He went from being the defensive passing game coordinator and secondary coach to all of a sudden interim head coach. So uh, I did see an article saying that Tupper did say that, like, you know, we're four games into the season. So 17, 16, 15, 14, 13. So there's 13 games left in the season for him to kind of prove that he deserves a head coaching job. He, I mean, if the Panthers look good at the end of this season, you know, we could see Wilkes be the next coach of the Carolina Panthers. But as, as we know, there's not very many interim head coaches that actually get the chance to be the head coach after they finish their time as interim head coach. Um, so there's a few options that the Panthers do have for for next year, and the current front runner is the former Saints head coach, Sean Payton. Now, if this were to happen, I think my father would have a stroke simply because he doesn't like his stupid, pompous face, but... Good thing for my dad is I think if 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 Peyton would come in and actually coach up the Panthers and the Panthers started winning some ball games, I think that he he'd be okay with it. You know, he would recover. So, you know, for the sake of my father, I hope that that Sean Peyton doesn't become the coach because I don't want to see the man go into you know a stroke or anaphylactic shock or have a heart attack right there. But I know he'll have some strong words, and if that happens, I'm 100% getting my dad on the podcast the second that they announce it. Like, I will be calling him and recording the conversation and putting it on the pod. Um, but the big question mark is, is Peyton even going to consider coming out of retirement? So with that, um, I mean, for the right amount of money, people are going to move mountains. So I think he'll be a very expensive head coach to, to get your hands on. Um, but again, if he can come into Carolina and win ball games, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I think it would be totally worth it because at the end of the day, your team wins ball games, you get more revenue, you know, more tickets sold, more sponsors want to be a part of you, more national recognition, blah, 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 you know, the whole, the works. So I'd like to see Sean Payton be the head coach coming in. I don't think he needs a deal, you know, and this goes for any coach. This goes for any first time professional head coach. I think what was stupid about Matt Rule is that I think they had him on like a seven-year contract, and this is what year three. This is like year three of his, year three or four of his contract, and so for the next few years, he's you know if he wants to, he can sit on his happy little butt and rack in almost a million dollars every single month. So, um, you know, it, <laughs> the saying goes, a, a fired NFL head coach is the best job in the world because you can literally just sit there for a few years and, and collect paychecks. So, I think. Any head coach that the Carolina Panthers bring in next, I think give them three years to really determine if you want to keep them long-term. And again, this isn't just for the Panthers. This is really 
this is really for any team. And just, you know, if I was the general manager for a team, what I would do, or the owner of a team, what I would do, you know, keep them for three years. If they turn out to be really, really good, you know, extend them for another four. You know, if they do good, then extend them for another four and another four and another four. I would never go more than four. I, I might would consider hiring a coach for five. Um, so Sean Payton is is the front runner. Vegas says that he's a front runner. All all the sources point straight towards Sean Payton. And I think if David Tepper wants to, you know, spend spend the money, which we know he's not afraid to do, considering he was he's paying Matt Rule all that money and. You know, after firing Cam Newton, he's been paying mediocre quarterbacks, you know, an asinine amount of money. Uh, you know, Tepper's not afraid to spend some money. So if he's going to spend some money, spend some on a decent coach. So I don't think Sean Payton is a bad choice. So another option is former Panthers head coach Ron Rivera. Now, this option would tear the Panthers fan base completely in half. So, it, it you know, even for me, you know, I Everyone knows that I'm a Chicago Bears fan. My second team is the Carolina Panthers. But let's just let's just say I'm a full, full-on Carolina Panthers fan. I would be torn in half because you bring Ron Rivera back, you get the nostalgia. You know, you get the nostalgia of Riverboat Ron being back in Carolina and and leading the team. But the logical side of me, the not emotional side of me. It, it would not like this pick. And I think everyone can agree with me here because since becoming a head coach in 2011, he's only had three winning seasons, obviously one of which was whenever the Panthers went 15-1 and into the Super Bowl. But other than that, he's only had two others. And currently, he's at you know he's in Washington, and they're one for this season. And under his reign, they're 15-23 and 23 with, with the trip to the playoffs. I'm not going to discredit that, but it was also – it was also a uh, a very very weak NFC East division that that put him into the playoffs. So, um, yeah, obviously there's there's a lot of different options out there. Um, you know, but I'm just gonna cover three that uh, you know I would I would like to see familiar names that everyone would kind of know. Whatever. Um, but finally, and the unlikely option is Dabo Sweeney. So again. Dabo, he's got it made in Clemson. I mean, over the last 15 years, he's turned that team into absolute powerhouse. Since 2011, at some point in each season, the Clemson Tigers have seen themselves in the top 10 or better. Uh, and since 2015, the Clemson Tigers have seen themselves... What, hold on. Let me back up because I don't even know what I just said. Since 2011, the Clemson Tigers have at some point been ranked in the top 10. Right? Okay. That's where we're at. And since 2015, the Clemson Tigers have seen themselves ranked in the top four at some point in the season. So, again, he, he's he got it made over in Clemson. People down there worship him. I mean, he's he's the Nick Saban of, of Clemson, of the ACC. And for someone to start their head coaching, I believe he started his head coaching career at Clemson. And, you know, to, to go on for as long as he has – and to make a team as successful as he has made Clemson, you know, from a career standpoint, you know, I I would stay in Clemson. You know, that's just me. But again, people are gonna move mountains if if the team, you know, if any anybody offers them the right amount of money. So again, I know Tupper's not afraid to spend some money, but I, I but my only the only thing about hiring Dabo that I don't necessarily like is I think that 
I think that hiring a college football head coach and moving him straight to the pros, you're playing the same sport, and I think I'm quoting ESPN here because I read this in an article, but you're playing the same sport, but it is a completely different ball game. So obviously with Matt Rule and, you know, we saw Urban Meyer who his downfall, you know, yes, he was a terrible NFL head coach. I mean, even Nick Saban, take Nick Saban, for example, he didn't do too good in the pros either. Um, but, you know, Urban Meyer had had a few other things going on. But, you know, we see a lot of college coaches who just aren't successful at, at the professional level. And it's just because it's it's a different ball game. And, I mean, I think if roles were reversed, you put a professional head coach at the college level, you know, it would be the same thing. Professional head coaches would struggle at the college level, and college coaches will struggle at the pro level. You know, I think – if you're going to bring in anybody, you have to start them at a position lower than head coach. I mean, maybe make them a coordinator, um, you know, just something. Something to get them acclimated to the NFL instead of just throwing them into into the pot. Um, so, Dabo, we have Dabo, Ron Rivera, and Sean Payton. Those are, those are my top three options. There, there's obviously a lot more mixed in there that are a lot more logical, but... Those are the three that, for conversation's sake, that I'm going to cover today. So, moving on from the Panthers, who, you know, we got a lot to, uh, hopefully a lot to look forward to. Right now, it's a terrible time to be a Panthers fan. But, moving on from the Panthers, we have the Chicago Bears, who now, for the first time in his coaching career, Matt Eberflus, uh, he now has a losing record as a head coach after falling to the Minnesota Vikings this weekend. Now, I will say, though the Vikings are a, technically a divisional rival. Um, I'm not too terribly upset with this loss. Uh, and the reason for that is because now, if the Bears were to beat the Vikings, then, then well, actually, I guess it really wouldn't have mattered, would it? Crap, I got I to gotta check my facts. Hold on. Before I get too heavily invested on, on this statement, let me just... Let me just check something real quick. Let me check the standings. So, what I was originally going to say is, okay, yeah. So, regardless of who won the game, um, okay. So, I'm not upset with the Bears losing this past weekend because now we have a sole front runner in the NFC North of the, the Minnesota Vikings, whereas had the Bears had won, there would be a three-way tie between the Vikings, the Packers, and the Chicago Bears. So, now... The Vikings are, they're the number one team in the NFC North. Packers at sitting with a nice record of 4-1, Packers at 3-2, and two, Bears at 2-3, and three, and the Detroit Lions at 1-4. Huh. So we got four wins, three wins, two wins, one, one win. So, huh. Okay. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. But here's the thing. If there's going to be a team that wins the NFC North that isn't the Chicago Bears, I want it to be the Vikings all day long. I'll be honest. As a Bears fan, I love Vikings fan. Every single Vikings fan that I've ever come into contact with, been absolutely friendly with. Because here's what happens. They'll start dogging the Bears. I'll start dogging the Vikings. But then it's like, why are we fighting each other whenever the Green Bay Packers in our, are in our division? Like, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who wins, you know, between the Bears and the Vikings. All that matters is that the Packers don't. And so... You know, the Lions, obviously, they're they're not, you know, they're never going to win the NFC North. But the Bears and the Vikings have a chance every single year. More so the Vikings. But we're not going to talk about that. And so, 
you know, I, I've thought about this recently. And, you know, with with divisional rivals, it's, it's kind of it's kind of difficult. It's a difficult conversation because obviously you want to see your team lead, uh, lead the way. I always want to see the Bears lead the way. But I can I can safely say that behind the Bears and behind the Panthers, I would almost go to say that the Vikings are my third favorite team for the sole purpose that Chicago and Minnesota have that one common enemy, that one common goal every year is to make sure that the Packers do not win the division. So, I, you know, I think I'm going to write that in stone. I'm writing it in stone. The Vikings are my third favorite team in the league behind the Bears and the Panthers. There, I said it. Vikings fans, y'all are awesome. Skull. Skull all day long. Skull all day long until you play the Bears. That That's all I got to say. So, Despite, Eber, Eber, you know, I still need to learn to say his name. Eberflus, you know, having a losing record, I'm cutting him some slack this year because the bar was so set so low after Matt Nagy. You know, it's a very young team. He's got to develop some of these players. He's got to, you know, get some players of his own drafted and in, in, in into his team. Um, So I'm cutting him some slack this year. But, you know, after about two years, year, year three, I expect playoffs. I fully expect playoffs. So that that's kind of my spiel on the Bears. So um, we're going – I have a lot of college football. I have a lot of college football going on. So we're going to take a little bit of break. You're just going to hear a little bit of transition noise, and we'll talk about some college football. Okay, this is the part of the podcast where I'm going to get a little bit heated because I don't know what I witnessed this weekend with Oklahoma football. I don't know what I witnessed. It it, that 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 I think any team, not just Texas, it it just so happened that it was against Texas, but I truthfully think that. Who who's the worst team that you could possibly think of in in all of college football right now? Truthfully, truthfully, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna look at I'm gonna look at some teams who just suck, who just absolutely suck right now. Okay, Northwestern. Okay, Charlotte, UMass, freaking who 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 hasn't won a game this season? Colorado, freaking who who else? Who else? Who else could have won this past weekend? Freaking, come on. There's got to be one more team that has not won a game this season. Okay, Colorado's the only team that hasn't won a game this season. But but I think any team could have walked into that game and smoked whatever Oklahoma put on the field this past Saturday. I Like, everyone on Texas's team this past weekend looked like God had blessed them. It, like, like... It, Someone took God bless Texas to a whole different level, okay? Because the Oklahoma was not on it, and everyone on Texas just looked they, they looked like they should be in the Super Bowl tomorrow, like competing against the Rams or Tom Brady's best Patriots team. I, like you would have thought that the Texas Longhorns were the best team in the freaking country 
after how they played, or not, not even how they played, just just how they smoked Oklahoma this past weekend. That was the most ridiculous football game I've ever watched in my life, and I've watched a lot of freaking football. Okay, it, freaking, I was gonna single out Bijan Robinson, okay, because there there was no stopping him. There was absolutely no stopping him and no stopping that offensive line. Okay, but honestly, it it, it you couldn't stop nobody. There was nobody you could stop that entire game. It, like I don't know what the offense was doing, but it just that one little play where he threw it with two hands, the freaking wildcat all game long. What what was that? What was that? Was that football? Like that might have been like how the first game of football ever was played to some extent, but I even think that those guys probably could have came out and won that game based off of the game plan Oklahoma had. I, I, I'm just, I, I don't even, I, I don't even know how to explain that game. I don't even like there's, there is really no explanation for it. Like what was the game plan? What, who, who, how many people do we have to have throwing footballs? Freaking that Davis Bevel guy. Who, who are you going six for 12, throwing the ball 12 times? Like how little confidence in your quarterback do you have? Put general booty out there. He didn't, even, he didn't even throw the ball. The punter. Hang time. Michael Turk. He had more attempts, passing attempts, and more yards than General Booty. Because General Booty didn't even touch, touch, touch the freaking... He didn't even touch the field. They freaking... They relied on this freaking Davis Beville guy who... Where did he even come from? Pitt? After sitting behind Kenny Pickett? Stay in Pittsburgh. Stay in Pittsburgh. We don't want you here. Davis, your stupid little face, your stupid little mustache, you look like freaking, you look like the freaking, oh, what was uh, Kim Kardashian's boyfriend's name? Um, freaking, y'all know him from Saturday Night Live. What's Pete Davidson? Pete Davidson, who's, who's the dude from, from, from the interview? I'm looking it up. It looks like Pete Davidson and James Franco had a child. And that's who you get on the field. And I bet you Pete Davidson and James Franco probably could have thrown the football a lot better than this than this Davis Beville guy. It, it, that was atrocious. That was the most atrocious quarterbacking I've ever seen in my life. And then, it, uh, like, uh, okay, Venables, like, look, I get it's your first year here, and so there's a little bit of leeway, but when your game plan is Wildcat, and that hasn't worked since the Dolphins however many years ago, like, that's your game plan? You have all these other dudes on your team that can play quarterback. And that was your game plan? Like, what do you even say to that? What do you even say to that type of football? I, like, seriously. I think you could have put the Western Carolina Catamounts on that field and they would have beat Oklahoma. Like, like truthfully. I, I'm not even trying to be dramatic right now. I think it's the truth. With that, with that game plan, whatever that was, oh, we're just going to run Wildcat for the entirety of the game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so hard to read. That's so hard to read. Ain't nobody going to figure that out, you know. Uh, you can put a high school football team out there, and they'll figure it out eventually. Like, I, I don't even know what that game was. I don't even know what that game was. I mean, I'm uh, uh, I have facts of the game, and I don't even know how to like lead into the facts of the game, like like what this game was, and just 
how bad it was. Okay, that, that's how I'm a, how I'm a tied in. It, here are some facts to make you understand just how bad that this game was. Okay, so 49 to nothing. It's Oklahoma's first shutout in 311 games. The last time they were shut out was in 1998 when Texas A&M came in as the number seven team in the nation, and Oklahoma was unranked. They came in, shut them out, right? Okay, and Oklahoma finished five and six that season. The last time Oklahoma or the last time Texas shut out Oklahoma was in 1965. This this is the worst shutout in program history. The the second worst or what was the worst before this last Saturday came in 1945 when Oklahoma State. Beat the Sooners 47 to nothing. So, congratulations, Texas. You now have that over Oklahoma for the rest of eternity unless Oklahoma loses by more than 49 points in a shutout. Texas is probably going to have that one for a really long time. Like, truthfully. I mean, who who else does Oklahoma play? Who else could possibly? I'm just going to sit here and say it. I don't think football can get any worse than that. I, do, I really don't think it can. I think, you know, it, just run the ball up the middle every single time. I, I mean, they went in the Wildcat, and that's essentially what they did, but, but like, it just wasn't consistent at all. It, there was no kind of consistency, and yet the offense was, was – there was no passing game. It's like, do you not have a quarterback in this elite quarterback room of yours? This is QBU. Like, you've had, like, what, two Heisman, three – three of them that were in the running in the last how many years, and you can't get a quarterback in the room that can throw the football 10 yards, 6 for 12, Davis. Come on. You know what? Let let me take back all my criticism about Davis, besides him looking like James Franco and Pete Davidson having a child. I I can't put this game on him because, like, I'm going to look directly at the coaching, and I'm not going to try to be overly critical on Brett Venables here, but maybe I'm going to be. But if you have a quarterback that is so little prepared for a game like this, that's on you. That's on you. You can't have a quarterback go and perform like that. Like, at least in years past, you know, you've you've had your backup quarterbacks who are phenomenal athletes, phenomenal quarterbacks. You know, they might not be as good as number one, but, you know, they're good to step in. It's like, it's like, uh, I don't even know. I don't even know the, the Chicago had a quarterback. It's like Nick Foles. You know, he's not he's not the number one quarterback, but he's all right. He gonna get the job done. Like he might get you a win or two here and there as a backup when your first man's down. Like you have to like it. Oh God. Okay, just just to make this even worse, I'm powering through this. This is the most points Texas has ever scored against Oklahoma. The previous high was 33 points, which came in 1941 and in 2005. Okay, so, so ugh, that's my rant. That's my rant on this Texas-Oklahoma game. That it that was just crap football right there. I mean, honestly, I like that. The, you got the athletes to at least put up three on the board. They should have went for three whenever they had the opportunity earlier in the game. But they didn't. But now Texas has got. I mean, I mean, like really, you could have made it. You know, a forty-six point game and not have Texas have the biggest shutout in program history. 
you could have gone for three. You should have gone for three because now that stain is on is on the program. So OU host number 19 Kansas this week and hopefully can get back in the winning column. That's my note. That's my note on that one. That's what I have written here on my prompt. And now I'm trying to calm down. But oh God. That was just awful. There's a beat down. It was a beat down of the century. Like the highlight tape for Texas. I mean, Texas must have had oh God. I'm just I need to shut up about it. Cause I'm just gonna get even more mad. That's the thing. I mean, it's not like Texas did anything extraordinary. It's just that, I mean, like, literally, just Oklahoma just sucked. They just sucked. That game plan sucked. I mean, the Western Carolina Catamounts could have won that game with that game plan, whatever that was. That was awful. That was awful. Luckily, that was the first game that I watched on Saturday. And to follow it up, my Carolina Tar Heels actually caught a dub. Their defense looks okay. They look competent for the second week in a row. And they, they walk out of Hard Rock Stadium with a 27-4 win over Miami. Thank God that game was right afterwards. Right now, Carolina is not ranked in the AP poll, but they are the first team out with 98 votes. So, you know, for those of y'all that don't know how the AP poll works, you know, there's a certain X amount of people get get votes of who's going to be in the top 25, and points get allocated accordingly to where people you know vote. And Carolina, just they're the first team that doesn't have enough points um, to be in the top 25. They have 98 votes, but they are ranked number 25 in the coaches' poll for what it's worth. And I think a win against Duke this weekend and a few losses within the top 25, the 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 further back teams in the top 25. Could push them into um could could push them into the top twenty five. So I mean, let's see. I'm, I'm gonna take a look at, at some scores here or or the schedule here and see who I think could possibly be pushed out. So I think Oklahoma. I, I mean, you got to learn from that one. I mean, you you have got to learn from that Texas game. You've got to come in with a better game plan or something. I think they could beat Kansas this week push them out of the top 25 and send Carolina over should Carolina win. Okay. Mm, who else? Illinois, they're currently ranked number 24. I think Minnesota has a good shot at winning that game. They're currently six and a half point favorites. Let's see. Who else could be kicked out? NC State and Syracuse, I'm not so sure about that matchup just because, like, if either one of them loses, like, NC State is 15, Syracuse is 18. I think they'll be pushed, you know, one, they'll be pushed back maybe three or four spots. So nothing too crazy. James Madison, who I don't see losing this game, they're 12 point favorites against Georgia Southern. But obviously, if they were to lose, you know, that'd be good for Carolina. Hopefully, Mississippi State, four point, four point favorites against Kentucky. That could send them over. And USC versus Utah, who Utah actually has a three and a half point favorite against USC. Um, that could also send them over depending on, you know, what they decide to do and how well Carolina wins should they win this week. So, as it stands right now, Carolina sits on top of the ACC Coastal Division, and they currently have the best defense and offense within the division against ACC opponents. So, that being said, my hope in the Tar Heels for this season right now has been 
revived. So thank thank God the Tar Heels have got something figured out these last two games, and hopefully they can go in and beat Duke this weekend. And just ugh, God, I, I I don't think I can do. I don't think I can do a. a Texas beating Oklahoma one weekend and then the next weekend Duke beating Carolina. Like, I don't think I can handle that. Y'all might have to put me on like Suey watch or something. Like, it, that would just be, that would be devastating, honestly. I, I, Carolina losing to Duke in football with Mac Brown and, and the team he's got there, that, oh God, that would just be devastating. But Western Carolina, they, they freaking got their crap kicked in uh, by Mercer who, where are they at? They were at number 12 coming into the weekend. They lost 49-6, to so Western Carolina had nothing for them, but at least they didn't get shut out 49 to nothing. They actually put points on the board, okay? So go go Catamounts, good job. You lost to a, to a top 12 team in the, in, the, in the division, but you didn't get shut out, so good, good for you. Good for you. So, Mercer, because they won, they moved up one spot to number 11 in the FCS, which is kind of a good feeling because maybe that means Western Carolina is actually a quality opponent, quality enough to move a team up. This weekend, the Catamounts will travel to take on Furman, who are currently 2-1 and one in conference play and number 4 in the Southern Conference. Western Carolina is currently 1-2 and two and sitting at number 5. So, the team that really has not let me down at all this season, Lenore Ryan. Thank God, my saving grace. I love Lenore Ryan Bears. They're they are my favorite team right now because they don't make me angry. They don't make me pop blood vessels in my head. Lenore Ryan, thank you so much for just simply existing. They beat the Limestone Saints, who coming into this game were the only other team in the South Atlantic Conference to go unbeaten against conference opponents. Bears won 51 to 30 and are now the sole team in the South Atlantic Conference without a conference loss. Now, take I have about the Bears, and I'm sta- I'm standing by this until it, you know, I get proven wrong. But I think the Bears are going to go undefeated in the conference and will make, you know, some kind of run in the playoffs. So I think they'll win the national title. I mean, I think after after Fair State, you know, who was the number one team. And still is the number one team in the nation right now at that level. I, I said it before in a previous podcast, but I think if you can walk away from that game and figure out what exactly it was you did wrong and learn from it and and just kind of improve upon that, you know, I think you could definitely, you know, you you could, you know, say that game's played at the end of the season. The Bears aren't getting as beat as bad as they they were as they did the first time around. So, Lenore Ryan now sits as, sits at the number 13 team in Division II football, and this is the highest that they've been all season. In the South Atlantic Conference, there's only one other team that is ranked, and that is Newberry, and they're at number 17. Their only loss to the season is Carson Newman, who Lenore Ryan took care of easily. So, the two teams, they're going to meet not this weekend, but they'll meet the next weekend and is likely to be as long as Newberry wins, it's likely to be the biggest game of the South Atlantic Conference and possibly a little preview into, um, well, no, because they're they're separated into two divisions. Um, dang, I'm so sorry. I promise y'all I prepared for this podcast. I swear to God I did. I just have to, you know, sometimes I don't have all my facts straight. It's a lot of information to retain. That's why I have notes. But sometimes my notes aren't extensive enough, so I'm so sorry. Me so sorry. So, 
oh, maybe it is this way. So Lenore Ryan and Newberry, I'll have to get with my boy from Lenore Ryan, but it, it could be a preview into the South Atlantic Conference Championship at the end of the season, um, Newberry and Lenore Ryan. This weekend, though, they're going to travel to take on the Barton Bulldogs, who currently have a 2-4 and four record on the season. So I have no reason to believe that Lenore Ryan's going to get beat this weekend. I think they're going to just roll right over them and move on. So, again, don't take any game lightly. You know, don't ever do that. It's a terrible, terrible thing to do. But I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a pretty, pretty easy dub for the Bears. They're just going to outman them completely. But, you know, I've seen crazier things. So, those are my four teams in college football that I've been, co- that I've been following. So, we're going to move into the next segment. Uh, where I talk about my hot takes of the week and follow up on takes that I had from the last podcast. So, take number one of this week is Drake May will be in the Heisman conversation before his college career comes to an end. I think he's already somewhat relatively in the Heisman conversation. Um, So, maybe that take is a little bit stupid because it's already happening. But, I think think top four is, is a legitimate... I won't sit here and say he'll win it, but I think that, that him being a finalist for the Heisman is definitely a possibility for him just because this is his first year starting. Um, he's a redshirt freshman, so he's got at least two more seasons after this. And right now he ranks number seven in passing yards with 1,903 yards and number three in the entire FBS with 20 and touchdown passes with 21. So that's take number one. Take number two kind of feeds off my take last week, but Tennessee should be ranked over Michigan. Um, I think Michigan should be ranked, you know, respectively uh, somewhere between number seven and number 12. Uh, and the only reason for that is because they have not proven they, they don't have any quality wins this year. They beat Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, Maryland, Iowa, and Indiana. And who has Tennessee beat? They beat LSU last weekend. They beat Pitt. Uh, kind of as their first big win of the season. Um, son of a gun. Who else did that? I'm sorry, guys. I'm telling you. I know. I write my notes. Okay, they beat Pitt. They beat Florida. They beat LSU. Okay, those are three quality teams. They have two cupcake games against Akron and Ball State that they won, and they rolled over those two teams. But they rolled over LSU, kept it close with Florida, but still pulled away with it, and and they beat Pitt by a respectable seven points. So I mean. Still beat them as three ranked teams. They're three and zero against ranked teams right now, and so um, in Michigan right now, yes, they're undefeated, but there's no reason for them to be above Tennessee at this given moment, just because of the quality of wins that they have. So, respectively, number seven to twelve. That's where I would probably put Michigan. So, last take and this is a take that I that, that I've had for a while and it's kind of been alluded to but Lenore Ryan needs to move up to the FCS level sooner rather than later so um reason for that is I mean with 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 the stadium upgrades that they've had and the recent success of the team now is the time to make the move while your team is up go ahead make the move you could dominate in the Pioneer League and you could definitely be competitors in the Southern Conference I think if there is going to be a move, those are the two places to land for Lenore Ryan. So, uh, notable teams in the Pioneer League are Butler, Davidson, and Presbyterian. Those are all three teams I think Lenore Ryan could come in today and beat. Uh, so, I think they could dominate that league. And then, 
there's there's the one with like Campbell and all of them, but I I don't like that conference for Lenore Ryan. I, I, I who is it? Who is it? Now I gotta see. You see, I'm just I'm just going back and looking over all kinds of stuff. I'm so so you got the Pioneer League. And the Southern Conference, and the other one that that uh, me and my boy from Lenore Ryan actually talked about was the Big South Conference, who has Campbell, North Carolina a t Garner Webb, and Charleston Southern in it. Uh, well, they also have Bryant and Robert Moore. So there's six teams total in the league. So they, you know, they probably need to bring in like Lenore Ryan and one other just for the sake of making it an eight team league, making it a little bit more competitive, but. Their number one team, the Campbell Fighting Camels, they currently they currently have put up 142 points against opponents and have allowed 142 points. So if that tells you anything about the quality of teams in that league, they're the only team in the league with a winning record this season. So far, there are two teams that have not won a single game. So I think Lenore Ryan could definitely go into the Big South and, and just win that one upright. But I think a better... A better conference for them to go into would be the Pioneer League, and I would love to see them in the Southern Conference so that so that I could get a Western Carolina versus Lenore Ryan matchup every single year, and I would 100% go for Lenore Ryan every single time. So, following up on my takes from last week, last week I had the take saying Kansas should not be ranked. I'm standing by this take because they had uh, they lost to TCU, which is really kind of the first – the first team of, of actual quality that they've actually seen this season, and I'm hoping that the Oklahoma Sooners can extend their winning streak against Kansas to 18 games this weekend and not let Kansas roll over them. Uh, with Kansas' starting quarterback out this weekend, oh God, I if Oklahoma loses this game, we may see the biggest wave of depression. We may have to put the whole state on notice to make sure that they don't just, like, off themselves, and we may have to send a few thousand social workers to Norman if Kansas beats Oklahoma without their starting quarterback. Last time Kansas beat Oklahoma was back in 1997, so it's been quite some time since we've seen Kansas beat Oklahoma. So, second take that I'm following up is James Madison should be ranked. That happened. They are ranked, and to add on to that, uh, we'll win the Sun Belt. So, Right now, James Madison, they are ranked, so go me, 1-0 on that one. Um, they're number 25, and they're one of two undefeated teams left in the Sun Belt. The only other team that's undefeated, they're in their division, is Coastal Carolina, and they play, that is, it's Coastal Carolina versus James Madison to end the season, and I'm that's going to be a phenomenal game, but I'm standing by this take, I think James Madison takes the cake this season. So, Last and final follow-up is, and I'm standing by this, Tennessee is going to beat Alabama, and they're going to win the national title. I'm standing by this take until I'm proven wrong, and the Vols domination over LSU this past weekend just solidified my faith in this take. No take backsies. So, though Tennessee is a seven-point underdog, and all the signs point to Alabama winning this weekend, Vols by 10. That's all I'm going to say about that. So, let's very quickly cap off this podcast. So, uh, with our next segment called Next Level Bulls, where we follow past um, Hickory Ridge High School football players who are now playing at the FBS level. We have Carl Wallach said, who had a down week in UTEP's 41-31 loss against Louisiana Tech. He just had four tackles. Um, and Louisiana Tech's win this weekend 
uh, marks the most scored, the most points scored against the minors of the season. So this weekend, minors are on a bye, so no Kyle Waller said for y'all this weekend. Syracuse took a bye this weekend, so no Garrett Williams for y'all last weekend. But this weekend, they're playing at home against number 15, NC State. And Jalen Brooks, probably the most exciting player that – um, well, I wouldn't say the most exciting because Jalen Brooks and Garrett Williams are kind of right there with one another. But uh, probably had the most exciting weekend as he played an active role in South Carolina's 24-14 win over number 13, Kentucky, this weekend with three catches for 37 yards and one rush for 24 yards. So Gamecocks have not had an easy schedule this season, and it's not going to get any easier moving forward as they have to play Texas A&M, Florida, Tennessee, Clemson, and, of course, the one game that every SEC circles on their schedule, Vanderbilt. That's going to be a phenomenal game, South Carolina versus Vanderbilt. Just going to let that one marinate for a second. Just so that y'all know I'm not serious, that was totally sarcasm. Just know that that was sarcasm. If you took that seriously, get off my podcast. Don't even listen to it moving forward. Don't even listen to it. Just don't. I don't even want you here. Just kidding. Yes, I do. I love you guys. But the Gamecocks are on a bye this weekend, so no Jalen Brooks. So we have Garrett Williams playing this weekend. That is the only former bowl that you will be seeing on the field this weekend. So that's going to wrap up this podcast. I'm God, I, I don't even know what to think moving into this weekend. Um, Just a lot of, lot, lot of emotions going on right now, man. So if you're listening to this part of the podcast, I really appreciate it. I uh, really appreciate anybody that supports anything that I do uh, with OK Listen here and this podcast. Next weekend, I'm hoping to have a little bit of a guest on the pod. Maybe a familiar voice that y'all recognize from former episodes. Um, hopefully he's on and he's going to talk about some things that happened this past week with him and OK Listen here. So uh, we'll get into that a little bit next week. Um, if you're looking to win some Bojangles, go participate in the Bojangles Perfect Week Challenge. It's free to do every single week. You get a chance to predict who you think is going to win each NFL game. If you predict, if you have the most accurate predictions, you get a $25 Bojangles gift card. I've actually got two of them that I have to ship out. <laughs> I have to ship those out. Dang it. Oops. But they're there. They're in, they're in the envelope. But they're getting shipped out. Uh, try to see what else. Go follow the Little Aussie podcast on Instagram. There's currently nothing up on there yet. Haven't quite decided what kind of content I want to put up there. Maybe clips from the podcast. Maybe something along those lines. I don't know. Go follow OK Listen Your Media Company on Instagram and Facebook. Those are two great platforms to to follow us and support us on. Go like, comment, engage, share our stuff. Do all of that fun jazz. So. Once again, if you're listening at this point in the podcast, as I've been rambling on for like the last minute and a half about meaningless things, I really do appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Have a great, fantastical weekend and peace.